you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com. Lord, that we thank you for this time, and I pray that it's your words that are said, and that you call us from glory to glory, and that you would empower us to walk out a godly life as a disciple. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been uh, an interesting series, a fun series, and uh, you know we've covered in, in week one that a, a disciple is a learner, right? Just to kind of recap everything. And then in week two, that uh, the greatest discipline is love. Then when I spoke a couple weeks ago, we talked about how discipline equals freedom, and it takes effort to steward our freedom. And then last week, Caleb talked about how the, uh, a disciple makes disciples everywhere they go. It's not just a one-time, one-moment, once-a-week kind of deal. It's you've got 40 hours at work. You've got time at home. You've got time with friends. And that discipling happens along the way. That Jesus said, follow me. And just while we're around him, discipline and discipleship happens. And so as I was thinking about how, we, how do we wrap this up, what, what is the, the conclusion to a, a series on discipline? And I realized that discipline fights for connection. And I want to break the idea that discipline is punishment. Because it was so long, we think discipline is about being punished, that I'm, I'm under the rod, I'm, I'm being, that correction is violent. But discipline fights for connection. Because we talked about how a discipline is an activity, exercise, or regimen that develops or improves a skill. Discipline is training. Often we think, one of the other dictionary definitions is that a discipline is punishment inflicted by way of correction and training. And I would propose to you that uh, the lens that we see discipline through when it's connected to punishment is not God's heart. And that, even, but because we love we, we have created this connection with discipline and punishment that it becomes a lens that we see, in particular, the Old Testament through. And that what if we switch the lens to see discipline as training, as discipline that it takes effort, it takes activity, exercise to improve the skill of fighting for connection. The kingdom of God is about heart to heart. It's not a behavior modification program. And I want, I want you to think about when you were a kid, what was the fruit of discipline in your life? Now, if we're honest, there's things that needed to stop happening, right? We had foolishness as a kid that needed to be corrected. But what was the heart of that correction? Is it conformity or is it connection? <clears throat> There's a lot of how we 
think of discipline and how we think of correction as coming from uh, behaving right. But it's about how we connect heart to heart in community. We have a love affair with punishment. And really, and when we think about it is, if you do what I say you do, we can stay in connection. And if you don't do it, you're dead to me. I will disconnect from you. I will shut you out. I will have nothing to do with you because you didn't behave the way I want you to behave. Right? Our whole criminal justice system has moved from the fact that like, the original felonies were like murder, rape, kidnapping. They were violent things that you go, as a society, we have to agree, we've got to create some space from you because there's a physical threat. Now we want to throw everybody in jail for anything. You've offended me. You go in Facebook jail. Right? I mean, this idea of if, if we're not in agreement, if you don't behave, we will disconnect. And I would propose that the way we think about things, we've had 40 years of tough on crime legislation. What's been the fruit? We've disconnected whole chunks of our society for years. Lock them away, throw away the key. To do what? There's no heart to restore. There's no like idea that your behavior is not the defining characteristic of you. But in the kingdom, God says, I call you by who you are and I will walk with you until you behave. Until you act like who you are. Right? Because when we look at, at discipline from a punishment perspective, it often starts when we're kids. And it's easy to create conformity or obedience because as the adult, you're bigger. But there's a problem. The kids keep growing. My 12-year-old is five foot seven and 125 pounds. It's not going to be much longer before I can't physically enforce conformity without escalating violence. But let me ask you, that's where discipline as punishment goes. Ever escalating violence to enforce authority. Rather than a heart connection that says, I see you and this is the relationship that we want to develop and these are the social norms that we want to reinforce so that we can stay in community together. Because the teenage years often become one of rebellion. Why? Because they're big enough to tell you no. And then you got to decide how violent you want to be to enforce conformity and obedience. And at a certain point, you go, there's rules against. <laughs> I'll go to jail, <laughs> right? I'll get separated because I've crossed lines to try to enforce obedience. And so... If we don't get this, the way we're going to reconcile and in 
create peace in Tampa Bay is going to be dysfunctional. Our vision statement says we see poverty, homelessness, drug addiction, and human trafficking all as historical footnotes in Tampa Bay's history books. To do that, how are we going to address poverty when we've judged those that have money? How are we going to create connection between people who know how to create wealth with people that need to know how to create wealth? But because we break connection, we judge people and we go, well, you must have done that wickedly. Then we've lost the ability to glean and learn from them the very thing that's needed to solve the problem. If we look at human trafficking, how are you going to feel when a human trafficker sits next to you in church? If they repent, they get saved and they come here. Can you steward, can you discipline yourself to have connection with someone who has a past that upsets you? We've, we've got to grow up and discipline ourselves. It's not that we punish ourselves, it's that we steward what God's been given so that we have the ability to connect to people and draw people that were lost into the kingdom. But because our first response is disconnection, send them away. I don't, I can't, I can't deal with that. Learn to deal with it. Take some classes. Get some counseling. Like there's part that as, as the church, we, we be, we, we've stayed immature. And sometimes we use the, I just want the simple gospel. I just want my first love. There's nothing wrong with a simple gospel and your first love, but it's got to mature in a way that allows you to connect to people who need a first love and a simple gospel. Because, I mean, if we think about human trafficking, you've got two people involved on the trafficking side, and then you've got the consumer. All three of those people need Jesus. And because we've not stewarded our hearts well, there's, there's the consumer. The consumer's not stewarded usually his heart well. And is willing to create a financial transaction to get needs met. And because there's not financial opportunities for the two that are involved in the trafficking side that will allow them to provide for themselves outside of this, they go, we can meet this need. And there's all kinds of toxic emotional layers. There's all kinds of demonic influence in this. But at the end of the day, it's powerful people choosing to be victims because they don't, there's no other way that they've found to meet their need. You are powerful. You have choice to choose your destiny, to choose to say yes to God, to choose to say, I will choose love over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. In John, First uh, John four uh, thirteen through twenty one, we got kind of a chunk of scripture here, but I believe the context is important. It says, "By this we know that we abide in Him, talking about God, and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit." 
And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment because as he is, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. These are strong words. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. There's so much in this. But I want to just focus on a couple elements. One, love. God is love, and is that the standard that we use in our relationships? Right? It concludes with, you can't hate your brother and love God. I get the idea of hating hate, but that's not what we're called to do. It's a way to try to get a solution without going through the kingdom. You've got to go through love for the kingdom solutions to reign. Otherwise, what you're trying to do is simply flip who's in control, right? Because if you're on the victim side and you're like, I would like to be powerful, but all I know is punishment, then I just want to become the punisher and not be the victim. But you're not free. Now you're just angry with a bigger stick than the other person. There is no fear in love. Listen, quit punishing yourself for things. You're not doing God a favor. Jesus was punished for every sin. And if you think that there is one that you can hold back to punish yourself for because you're doing God a favor, you're actually opposing the work of Jesus Christ. Some of y'all need to get that. Because you're mad at yourself and you feel like you can't walk in love because you deserve to be punished. Not true. Not true. Fear has to do with punishment. Right? Because it's the power differential. The person that brings punishment is the one that's more powerful, that can enforce it. But the kingdom says you are powerful. And that God is saying, I want you to choose me. That's why he doesn't make everybody saved. Because love says, I see you're powerful. Would you choose me? Would you choose connection? Would you be willing to fight with me for connection? Because it takes discipline. It takes effort. Can I be honest? It's easy to be offended. It's so easy. 
And, and we, I, I just, I cringe with social media. All it's done is amplify our ability to be offended and then disconnect from people. I see people losing lifelong friends on social media. They've disconnected with people that they knew, liked, and loved because they're offended at something that happened and so they shut down their heart. Are you kidding me? This doesn't make sense. You know, the, the interesting piece of American history, the, the original, uh, part of we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights the idea was you are powerful and all we're doing is recognizing what god has done in you and through you and that together we will decide by vote who's going to govern us it's not about a power differential it's about the fact that we get to choose from a place of power that we recognize god gave us how we've executed that vision is up for debate. But the goal was noble. And it's kingdom to say, I see you as powerful. And together we're going to choose how we govern ourselves. That's why the core value of empowering everyone here is such a game changer. It's not that I have more power because I have a microphone and I'm on this side of the stage. It's that we're here to empower you to say you are the kingdom. You are the ones that are able to connect with God and carry kingdom culture to work, to school, at home, at the coffee shop, wherever you go. You are the kingdom carrier. You don't bring people to church so a pastor can empower them. We're empowering you to go empower them to go find them. But because, but there's been a history of fear. Fear of pastors. The pastors are afraid of the people. Our whole, like, Christian circle is fairly dysfunctional. And can I just say, as a pastor, I am sorry for all the times pastors have tried to control you to make you behave, to force you to be part of the in crowd at the cost of your unique abilities and talents. That you had to conform to the vision of the house rather than the house empowering you. Core values are a double-edged sword. They cut clean. And you're either in or you're out. This is a house that empowers people. And if you want to control people, this isn't your house. Because I've seen it over and over. Our, this, this house started with people coming to us that were mostly hurt from other churches. This is our ministry is going, you are powerful people and we love you enough to see it and say, would you discipline your heart to choose to stay connected and not slink out the door if you get your feelings hurt? Because we can't grow 
We can't grow if we don't know. But it takes everybody going, I want connection. So if we're not punishment focused, what do we do? Right? That's our default. That's been the default we've probably seen. So what do we do? We fight for connection. In Matthew 18, 15 through 20, it says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained a brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. This is a model for fighting for connection. You hurt my feelings. I need to go talk to you. I don't talk to my friends who will talk to you. I don't talk to family that'll talk to you. I don't try to triangulate and backdoor this. I have to grow up and go, I got to look you in the face and go, when you said that, that hurt my feelings. And what that means is it disconnected me from you. Because they'll be like, I don't care that you hurt your feelings. It's the truth. That's the way I see it. Right? There's usually some sort of smart aleck answer on the, on the first the first part of this conversation. But it becomes, when that happens, when you respond that way, it hurts me enough that I feel like I start to guard my heart from you. How, how can we get, restore our connection? And then if that doesn't work, you bring a couple more people. And if that doesn't work, you bring it to the church. But at a certain point, because there are two powerful parties in this discussion, you go, I can't have that kind of behavior in my life. I, there are boundaries. But the, if you look, the boundary of disconnection comes at the very end because I've gone to them. I've gone to them with others. I've gone to them with church leadership and, and connection, the community connection and go, all of us are, are working for you to stay connected with us. And if you still choose no, you, we have to just recognize that. We're not going to force you to come and stay in community with us. But there's a process. And so we get to, we get to grow in our communication. You've got to be able to articulate what exactly hurts your feelings. What exactly, or, 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 or more serious things. When this happens, I feel it creates disconnection. Sometimes we have to just sit with the Lord for a while to figure out what we're even feeling before we can have that conversation. Because if you're just screaming mad at that moment, you're not communicating clearly. So to, to kind of, I, I really want to put the nail in the coffin of punishment. That we're going to just bury this as a model of, of behavior. In Galatians, uh, in the Amplified Version, it says, Brethren, if any person is overtaken in misconduct or sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, who are responsive to and controlled by the Spirit, should set him right and restore and reinstate him 
without any sense of superiority and with all gentleness, keeping an attentive eye on yourself, lest you should be tempted also. So if someone's, if you see them in sin, what's the goal? Restoration. It's not disconnection and punishment. Right? We restore them. How? With gentleness. To restore and reinstate them. In 2 Timothy 2.25, it says, He must correct his opponents with courtesy and gentleness in the hope that God may grant that they will repent and come to know the truth, that they will perceive and recognize and become accurately acquainted with and acknowledge it. Truth with a capital T is Jesus. He is the truth. We want to restore people to the truth. And sometimes we are the ones on the receiving end of that. Right? How do you want to be treated? How do you want to be restored? With gentleness, with truth, with grace. But because we love punishment so much, it creates fear. And so we can't be authentic and transparent with people around us that there are issues that we're struggling with because we'll be punished. And so we don't actually get the help that we need because we're afraid of being punished. And then all that does is create a mask that you wear. So you come to church and people say, how are you? Oh, I'm good, brother. Your life is rapidly spiraling down the toilet, but I'm good. We wear masks. And then people complain. They're like, I come to church and I feel like it's a bunch of fakers. Because we're faking it because we're afraid of being punished. And if we... That, that's, this is why this is so critical to finish the discipline series. It takes effort to be authentic. It takes effort to go, if I disclose that I am struggling in this area, I won't be punished, but I will be restored gently. Because it's two powerful people working together for connection. Parents, this should radically change how you parent. I think about it all the time, and the goal of child rearing is to raise an independent, functioning adult. They're arrows that are sent, not boomerangs that come back. Right? But to do that well, part of our problem is we've punished kids in the church so much that their main lesson that they learned was how to wear the mask. And then they don't, and we wonder like, why do all these kids leave the church? I don't know that's a place I'd want to stay either once I got big enough to control my own destiny. But if we go, this is about connection. That starting from when they're little, it's not obedience because I said so. It's because these family rules create connection and when you break the rules it breaks connection 
that can carry through teenage years. That can carry through college. That creates meaning for why you stay in relationship with the body of Christ. It's connection. Because we're joining together, heart to heart, out of love, to empower people to their destiny. In Romans 2, uh, verse 4, it says, Or are you so blind as to trifle with and presume upon and despise and underestimate the wealth of God's kindness and forbearance and long-suffering patience? It's a nice thing about the Amplify. They get lots of adjectives in there. Just to drive the point home. Are you so blind as to trifle with, presume upon, despise, and underestimate the wealth of his kindness and forbearance and long-suffering patience? Are you unmindful, actually ignorant of the fact that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repent, to change your mind and the inner man to accept God's will? This stuff flies in the face of cancel culture. Are you long-suffering and patient with your friends on social media that are different than you? For most people, the answer is no. But we're so emotionally charged that whatever wind blows, we just get whipped around. Instead of going, God, what is the kingdom solution? How do I stay connected with these people? How do we bring kingdom solutions? How do we eliminate poverty, eliminate homelessness and drug abuse and human trafficking? It's not by excluding and breaking connection with people. That will never bring about the desired result. So we've got to, yeah, it was kind of like... Uh, they were releasing prisoners because they were afraid of COVID in the prisons. But then if you didn't follow the COVID laws, they would send you to prison. And you're kind of like, if I get in, do you let me out? Like, I, so sometimes we're like, we have things that we do that don't always make sense. But it's because we react and we just, we're emotionally responding. And then we emotionally respond to the next thing. And there's no long suffering, patient, continuous thinking through what is the kingdom solution to this and so I just I want to encourage you um, just as we close with 2nd Peter 2 uh, 3 uh, chapter 3 verse 9 it says the Lord does not delay and is not tardy or slow about what he promises according to some people's conception of slowness but he is long-suffering, extraordinarily patient towards you, not desiring that any should perish, but that all should turn to repentance. I just want to encourage you. It takes discipline to be long-suffering, to be patient. We want people, sometimes you've been, if you've been on the journey with the Lord for a long period of time, 
You want other people who just met the Lord to experience 20 years of discipleship and discipline in a couple weeks. It's not even fair to them. And so we have these expectations of new believers that is totally disconnected from reality of how people mature and grow in Christ. And so, just as we wrap up, a disciple is a learner who loves, who trains and grows in skills, and then trains and grows the skills of those around them, and then fights for connection. Right? A disciple is a learner who loves and who trains and grows in skill and then trains and grows the skills of those around them to fight for connection. Lord, I just thank you for everyone here. I thank you for those online and I just pray that there would be a new lens that we see love through that we see connection through and that we will choose to break agreement with the lie that says punishment produces the results that I want and instead fight for connection. Lord, we just love you. We thank you that you are in us and that you move through us and that as we love you, we will love our brother and sister well. Lord, may we be learners who love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com.